Welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, the podcast where I, Chad Anderson, get together with a few queer friends and allies to review the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Named after the home that the X-Men formed after the world rejected them, Grey Malkin Lane is a place to take a deep dive into X-Men continuity while laughing our heads off. And welcome to episode 5, Trapped, One X-Man. Last week we saw the X-Men face off against the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants for the first time. Magneto took over another country, and the X-Men narrowly saved the day, but when Magneto set off a nuke, the X-Men only survived when Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch secretly turned against their leader, turning the nuke off. However, Professor X was wounded and seemingly lost his telepathic powers. My name is Chad Anderson, I am a long-term comic book nerd, and for a minute, a long time ago, I was even a writer and a researcher at Marvel Comics, and with me are three of my friends. I'll let each of you uh, introduce yourselves to begin. Go ahead. My name is Heather. My pronouns are she, her. My name is Anne, and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Taylor, and my pronouns are he, him. And I'm Chad, he, him as well. Uh, let's have everybody, uh, well, actually, let's give Anne a moment. This is your first time here. Tell us who your favorite X-Men character was uh, and what your connection to the X-Men is overall. Well, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, you and Heather earlier, what my favorite X-Men is Mystique. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not going to lie, it's because of her mutant ability. I am a transgender woman, and yeah, the idea of being able to um, change my outside appearance to match who I am on the inside, that's, that would mean a lot. So, And what's your connection to the X-Men as a fan? Oh, I'm, I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I like all things nerd and and geek and um yeah i was never really into the old comics or comic books but yeah i like the, the overall marvel and dc so fantastic uh a deep dive into continuity here for a minute in the 80s mystique is connected to a character named destiny who can see the future and uh, in the 80s, there was going to be a storyline where they talked about Mystique changing her gender to father a child with Destiny that was supposed to be Nightcrawler. But the company wouldn't let them do that. Uh, so just in recent years, they finally gone back and state, stated that Mystique and Destiny were romantically connected as, uh, as a lesbian couple. Interesting. Uh, although Mystique can gender bend at will. Right. Uh, and uh, there's a huge story. Destiny is deceased. There's a huge story in the comics right now with Mystique re trying really hard to get Destiny resurrected. And Professor X and Magneto are being huge jerks about it. No surprise to anyone. The comics, <laughs> uh, the comics take some major turns of the future. Uh, so our question for today, we're going to take the adult versions of these characters, but I want to hear from each of you. Uh, fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> Cyclops, Beast, Angel. Um. Hmm. I would have to say. Fuck Angel because I feel like he would be extremely polite about it because he's real posh. Um, marry Beast because I think that we could have some delightful conversation, and. He'd also probably be good in bed if we're being real. And kill Cyclops just because I I 
don't vibe with him. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you? Oh, wow. Um, fuck Beast because, well, of course he seems animalistic and yeah that that appeals to me <laughs> very primal and right yeah. right um mary angel because um yeah good good guy um kill cyclops he's, <laughs> he's a self-righteous prick <laughs> so. um yeah i would i would fuck angel because I mean feathers. <laughs> I would marry Beast. I would marry him. Um, now that he has a brain, I it it seems like uh, it would be a really fun time with a guy who is that intelligent and you know not only not only um, n- like mentally but emotionally. I I like the way he's developing, and. I wouldn't kill Cyclops per se. I would just okay. I know, I know. Okay, so yeah, I would, I would, I would kill him peacefully, Mm. like euthanization style, so that he doesn't feel anything. Uh, But yeah, I've never really been a fan of Cyclops either. You could just have Professor X shut down his brain. That's something he's doing over and over in the comics. Yes. Uh, I I would marry Angel because he's pretty and rich. I would fuck Cyclops because have you seen that ass? And and Beast I would kill because I do not want blue fur in my shower drains. Oh. It's a while before he has blue fur. We're we're going with the adult versions and I can't. Yeah. Yeah. He's also incredibly morally ambiguous in the current comics. I I don't care for him very much. Uh, Okay, so we're here to talk about X-Men number five, which is... Oh my god, you guys, it's ridiculous. Uh, Let's start with uh, just the reactions to the cover. Uh, It's different in your books. My apologies. So here I'm holding it up. Uh, We still have the Scarlet Witch in her lime green uniform, which is a color misprint, and uh, Quicksilver in his blue, which is also a color misprint. But any reactions to the covers, the cover itself? We're looking at the left-hand side, right? Correct. The quote-unquote evil X-Men seem like they're on the run. And they're like, oh no, we're being beaten. Even though that's not necessarily the case the entire comic. (laughs) And poor Angel's trapped behind glass. Help! The Angel's trapped. (laughs) What jumped out to me, of course, and this is something that's problematic of the whole comic book and marvel is there's two women on that cover um one is in the far background you you can't really see her that well the other yeah she's closer but anyways yeah i don't like she's not only closer but in the world's worst headpiece right right (laughs) exactly and and of course it was worse back then um, but we're still, we still got a ways to go. We, we haven't got there yet. Yeah, yeah. They, we've we've talked in past episodes about the, the X Men are known for their powerhouse women now, but in the, back then they did not do a great they job. Sucked. Yeah, that's that's my biggest qualm with the cover too is that there's so much going on, but the two women are just not really doing anything, and they're in the backgrounds. And I actually, it took me a second to even find Jean Grey. Mm. 
And there are 10 characters packed into that image with another five in the logo above. Like, that's, mm. there's a lot going on it's here. It's very busy. <laughs> okay, so we be open the issue with the X-Men returning to Earth. Uh, I'm sorry, returning to uh, New York City or, or, or Westchester to the X-Mansion from... Uh, from their mission with a very feeble Xavier who just needs to be so taken care of. But Iceman looks more like a real boy. He's starting to <laughs> he's starting to look a little more icy and a little less snowy, which mm-hmm. is nice. Uh, Iceman, <laughs> despite seconds later, he says it only takes him seconds to ice down. At the door, he's like, I can't open the door because I'd have to ice down. So Cyclops just shoots it with his optic blast through the keyhole. Is it going to still be functional after that? Are they going to be able to lock their door now? No. <laughs> <laughs> and why doesn't he just like, well, okay, maybe not. I'm and thinking, why doesn't he just like defrost a certain part of his body. When I read that at first, though, I was like, okay, he just doesn't want to, like, be naked in front of his friends or something, because, like, (laughs) if he has... Because later on, you see when he is iced down, he's just wearing briefs. He's got yellow shorts on. Yeah, just the yellow shorts. He doesn't want to offend Jean Grey's sensibilities. Uh, There you go. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, We have the X-Men working so hard to take care of Professor X. Jean Grey's levitating him. Beast is swinging from the chandelier. Swing from the chandelier. Oh, that was the wrong tune for the CSR. That was the wrong tune. Uh, To to take off Professor X's jacket. They're working so hard to make him comfortable. He's so feeble, you guys. He's sleeping. Oh. Any thoughts on uh, on Professor X needing so much assistance? Well, later it talks about... Like, they say that his brain is now that of a normal human being, but they are treating him like a fucking invalid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they are. Not. Like, I know he's in a wheelchair and shit, but, like, he obviously knows how to do things for himself even without his massive brain power. Mm-hmm. They treat yeah, him like I... he's, like, completely dead. <laughs> yeah, like, I got the impression that he was in some sort of a coma by the way they were yeah. babying him so much, but... I was also like, all like Beast, all you have to do is take off his jacket. Do you really need to swing from the <laughs> chandelier to do that? And Angel, what are you doing flying around in the living room with those big-ass wings? You're going to knock something over or you're going to take somebody's head off. You, like, you got to be building. careful. you got to be careful, though. And just because you have powers doesn't mean that you have to use them for every damn thing all the time. <laughs> I mean, we got to consider as well, they just got off of a flight from South America. Like, they were in South America in the previous issue. Uh, so they've had some ample time. I don't know. It's a little over top, over the top here. Uh, I think it's okay to reveal this now, and we're just going to go ahead and take our reactions at the beginning. At the end of this issue, oh God. and we'll talk more about this in a minute, Horrible. but we learned that Professor X is faking it. He has <sighs> not lost his powers. <laughs> oh my God. So knowing that, what is your reaction to this scene? I am big mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he is totally deceiving them, and... Acting like he is so, so helpless. Then he's definitely not a fucking invalid. What an asshole, right? What an asshole. Charles is a dick. (laughs) I think, you know, he's just tired and he wants the teens to pamper him for a while. Mm. And sometimes it's a challenge to mentally manipulate them with your mind and make them do what you want. And, you know, make people entirely forget entire... Haven't you ever just pretended to be sick so everyone could wait on you hand and foot for days? No. No, me either. (laughs) I wouldn't even let people take care of me hand and foot when I am sick. He is a creep. He's the worst, the worst. I hate him. Yeah. Uh, We have a knock on the door. Jean Grey's parents come in. We get to meet her family. So their names are John and Elaine Grey. 
and uh, they are visiting the school on their way to the World's Fair, which is adorable. Uh, <laughs> tell me about your, your thoughts on the Greys. Okay, they, are they unaware of her power? Because they are they're totally going to unaware. such lengths to, like, hide everything. And my initial reaction was like, okay, if they're unaware of her power, what do they think the school is? But they actually talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But, do you want me to answer that question? Yes. They are aware of her power. But Professor X has altered their minds to be oh, unaware of them. Oh, are you serious? Uh-huh. Wow. What is his deal? What? Oh my gosh, <laughs> Professor X. I mean, I mean, what's what's the name of the what's the name of the actor who plays him in the movies? Patrick, um, Patrick Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Patrick Stewart romanticizes it, which yeah, his rendition of Professor X is like cool. I like that guy. I root for that guy. This original guy, though, this Professor X, not so much. I want to throw him in front of a train. (laughs) Now, I think he probably has the excuse that he's protecting them somehow, right? But that's moral relativism. (laughs) I don't accept that. This long, because she has had these powers for at least a while. Mm Mm-hmm. They've gotten by this long. I think they're adults and they can take care of themselves. I know. (laughs) So I'm not going to reveal too much here because we're going to get to this later in the series. But Jean Grey had a pretty traumatic experience when her powers developed. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. And so they they needed help to take care of their daughter who was really going through some things. So did anyone else notice um, right before Jean Grey's parents got there, their process of changing back to, I'm holding up my air quotes, normal students and normal teenagers you know Iceman is talking about going changing to plain Bobby Drake um Angel is talking about you know thankfully the professor made this harness that he could hide his wings under his suit and the Beast is talking about um he's relieved he can change back because he doesn't really care for his identity as the Beast as an LGBTQ person that kind of hit me yeah me too Mm mm-hmm it reminded me of that that scene in the Birdcage when mm. the senator, yeah, and they're they're coming to they're coming to visit and everything, and you know they have to take down any anything and everything that registers as even remotely gay, which a lot of it did, <laughs> yeah. but but it made me think of that, and uh, yeah. Pull down the pride flags, put away the dildos. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad are coming over, they can't know anything. Yeah. But there is the there's a, idols. There's yeah. certainly a thing to do with like mutant pride mm-hmm. here. They're mm-hmm. they're being taught to be ashamed of themselves. They need right. to blend right. in. They have this guise of going to a private school. Uh, Jean's parents believe that she's on a scholarship. Uh, and it's this like very special opportunity, but mm-hmm. they're they're being willfully kept secret about who she is and what she's doing. So mm-hmm. again, we have a grown man lying to parents about what the teens are doing at school, which, which is, is sketchy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pretty bad. Uh, but I, I think that idea of blending into society for all queer people is is a theme of our coming out process, particularly for trans people, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Right. Right. And do you want to speak to that at all? <laughs> and, and you don't have to. <laughs> Oh, no, it's, yeah, it's important for, I I really don't like the term passing because it, it portrays that I'm passing as someone that I'm not, but yeah, it, I, I prefer not to stand out in public, but, 
You know, in in the eighties, they and I guess still today they they use this, but um, in ball culture, they talk about um, being clocked. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, she got clocked. They recognized that she was once a male, or they recognize that this person is in drag, or they recognize something about you that differentiates you from who they are. And so you're no longer an us. You're a them now. Would just pull, pull your mic closer? Okay. If you can. Thank you. So there's a lot of commentary about that, and I think that's one of the reasons people latch on to the X-Men so much, mm-hmm. uh, because there's this theme of, of, we have certain characters who can quote-unquote pass, and others who have to bind their wings under their jacket to try mm-hmm. to fit in, which is something yeah. we talk about in episode one quite a bit. We see Angel harnessing his wings for the first time. Mm-hmm. Now, we later learn, and this is deep dive into continuity again, Jean has a sister named Sarah, who has two children who turn out to be mutants as well. Uh, and here's a really tragic story. We'll jump far into the future because we'll never get here in the podcast. Jean becomes the Phoenix eventually, which we yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And there's a storyline many years later where a group of aliens comes to Earth with the intent of wiping out the entire Gray family line so that the Phoenix can never attach to them again. And he, uh, they murder Jean's entire genetic family. So her, her parents, her sister, her cousins, her grandparents, her aunts and uncles, like the whole, the whole Gray family is killed very tragically. Uh, in oh a future dear. future episode or future issue far in the future, it's it's very sad, very tragic. Oh, oh yeah, I do have I do have a little bit of something. I can say it now, or I can say it. Well, I'm talking, so I should just say it now. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen now. Now to preface, I understand that when it comes to comic books and things like that, you're on a schedule, and the deadlines are usually pretty tight, and so you want to fit in as much as you can. That's pertinent to the story. But it would have been really nice to see more interactions between the students and Jean's parents. Because it happened, it happened one, the one time when uh, Jean's mom is like, ooh, those are fancy glasses. And she like tries to touch them and Cyclops is like, no, don't do that, you know. <laughs> but it would have been really nice and kind of funny to like see them all sort of do these awkward little, little things to, to hide their identities and kind of perplex the parents a little bit it would have been a little comical i think it's also Mm -hmm. a nice reminder that all of these characters have backstories home lives families Mm -hmm. this is the first kind of glimpse we see of that uh so cyclops accidentally gets locked in the danger room oops how do you i yeah i don't know how you accidentally get locked in the danger room and it's set to automatically start what why I do think it's kind of cool seeing Cyclops trying to survive Beast's yes. training regiment. That is pretty cool. I do like it. It's uh, it's set for this very agile, strong guy, but Cyclops just has his eye beams, and he gets a workout, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when he's like, grabbing this trapeze may save me, it was the wrong move. The trapeze was a dummy. <laughs> and you know, that begs the question, he thinks it happened automatically. He thinks it started automatically and that he was locked in automatically, but we know that Professor Xavier mm. was faking them out the whole time. So what if he did it? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't. It Maybe wasn't. it wasn't. I, I think that's a very likely theory. Uh, so another sidestep. We learn way later. I mean, we have decades worth of comics. Professor yeah. X has a lot of secrets he's keeping. Mm. He knows about hundreds and hundreds of other mutants. He's keeping, like, copies of people's minds. Uh, he has protocols to take down the X-Men if they ever act out. 
Uh, he also knows versions of alternate futures that exist uh, uh, already, and he like he he knows a lot of things he's not telling. Mm, uh, he's being very wow. careful here. So again, we have all this stuff that's added later, but you go back and you know it about this character when you're reading it now, and he uh, he is very careful with anything that he chooses to share. Now, there is an element of if he knows how dangerous the world's going to be. He knows that there's going to be, for example, giant robots that are going to be programmed to kill mutants. Mm. And he wants to train these teenagers to use their powers so that they can actually survive. There is an element of heroism to that because he knows what the future holds. But he does it in such ways that it just is so (laughs) terrible. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a very ethical person, if you really think about it. Like, his, his intentions are good. But the way he goes about it, yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. He sees these teenagers as bargaining chips, almost, mm-hmm. or I'm as far commodities. Sure that his intentions are always good. <laughs> yeah, say that again. I said I'm not even convinced that his intentions are always good. Oh, but I, I have strong feelings about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> point because, like, I mean, even later on in this comic, while I was, this is the first time that I've actually read more dialogue between Magneto and his team. And I was trying to I was trying to find differences between the way Xavier works and the way he teaches the X-Men and the way Magneto works and the and the way he interacts with his team. Um it's very it's a lot clearer in like, you know, the later comics and things like that. But right but right here it seems like they're very similar in the way it's just that Magneto is more upfront about it. So before the X-Men were ever formed, and this is in recent comics they've revealed this, Professor X and Magneto are given insight into several alternate realities in Uh which the X-Men are formed. They see these lives, they see the way things end tragically in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And they both have this knowledge and insight. So as they're planning these things out, Magneto's taking over countries, Professor X is setting up private schools, they're, they're inevitably trying to stave off these awful futures that have happened for mutants and other realities. Okay. Which is kind of an interesting context to place. Yeah. Because Magneto's an arrogant asshole in these comics, <laughs> and Professor X is this silent brooding jerk in the corner mm-hmm. who just manipulates everybody. Mm. So it's, it, it adds a lot to the characters in, in a strange way. Yeah. Uh, so wow. Jean's parents leave, and... <laughs> Magneto apparently has his mutants looking all over the planet for people, but Mastermind's standing right outside without knowing that the X-Men is, are right there. Also, isn't it, isn't the front of, like, isn't the, they have the front of being a private school, don't they? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it stand out at all? <laughs> so you gotta, you almost have to assume Professor X is messing with Mastermind's mind as well. I, you like, have to There's assume. nothing here, go away. Is it not what you're looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Magneto's head is based on an island, and then they take over a country, and now they're on a floating <laughs> asteroid. That's <laughs> nice. Mm. Wow. Which is called Asteroid M for Magneto. Mm. Of course. Uh, tell me about your thoughts uh, about the asteroid itself and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I'm just really confused by how the hideout works on a fucking asteroid. Right, right. <laughs> They're just floating around, just out of orbit, you know, hanging out up there. I know that they have an airlock, but like later, one of they're saved with just an ice tube. So, like, how far out of orbit are they? How far are they out of the atmosphere are they? Because I don't feel like this works scientifically. Well, from this establishing shot here, it looks like they are past the thin blue line. There's no air mm-hmm. or anything. So I was a little vexed by that too. Yeah, like. How is it that an ice tube 
is going to save anybody's life. Exactly. Yeah. Not a fan. <laughs> um, oh, were you going to say something? Oh, I, I just had a thought. Well, the Brotherhood of Mutants in these old comics are portrayed as, you know, evil. Mm-hmm. Evil mutants. Whereas the difference with the movies... Um, I could see myself joining up with the Brotherhood. I mean, they... They've got some big concerns about humanity, and mm-hmm. I, that makes sense to me. But yeah, the I just thought it was interesting the stark contrast between the brother brotherhood of mutants in these comics versus, um, you know, in the movies and how they're portrayed differently. So Taylor, in the first week, you brought up the comparison of Professor X and Magneto with uh, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King yeah. Jr. And Magneto, we see something interesting as a trend already, even his few brief appearances, is he has no desire to try to live among the humans. Yeah. He he forms his own island. He takes over a country. Now he's like, well, let's go into space. We're going to mm-hmm. make our own space where people are safe. And in future stories, Asteroid M comes back. It's called Avalon at one point, And it's a home for mutants. Uh, he establishes countries on Earth uh, in future storylines as well. And he becomes almost messianic. Uh, in a lot of ways, like, oh. come here, I will be your leader, I will protect you, let's form our own nation. And again, as queer people, I think we can relate a lot to that concept. If we're not safe with you, we'll we'll create our own right. space. Right. We'll go Absolutely. where we where we belong. Yeah. I don't know. Any any thoughts? Um, well golly, I just uh all I can all I can think about, and I, I probably said this in the first week too, is like both of their methods were were valid. Both of their methods were, you know, their intentions were to bring about change and equality and safety, and they just went about it in two different ways, even though the ends were meant to be the same. Um, And like I said earlier, you know, like uh, Magneto is a lot more upfront about the things, the, the measures that he takes in order to make that happen. Whereas Xavier is more internal about it and keeps it keeps his cards close to his chest. And, you know, I know Professor Xavier better now than I did when I when I read the first issue. Hmm. So I still had it in my mind that Professor X was, um, you know, a lot more morally strong <laughs> than <laughs> than he's proving himself to be. Um, in the later issues. So, you know, it's, I think it's a matter of time. I think time will tell. And, you know, the conclusions, maybe the, maybe the analogy won't fit as well as it did before. But there is still that, that, um, you know, conflict between these two forces that are ultimately trying to work towards the same goal. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. look for the heroism in Professor X and Magneto. Yeah. I have to find I the right motivations in mm-hmm. both of them consistently. Because I like both characters, but they, yeah, they're both pretty morally bankrupt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Did you have a favorite? Toad has no fucking chill. <laughs> no chill. <laughs> he is extra. Like, the whole time when he's like, it's their fault. They're all failures. Only I am truly loyal to you, master. <laughs> like, he sounds like, I, I hear him. I hear the voice of Chamberlain when he talks. 
you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chamberlain? Chamberlain from The Dark Crystal. Oh, I haven't seen it. You know, he's like, I am the one who found the Gelflings. <laughs> I am the one who did this. I did that. Yeah. Give Toad me all the glory. No chill. Yeah. Our, our guest Ian last week pointed out that whenever Toad bounces, there's little yellow trails that follow him. And he's like, is that urine? And I'm like, oh, that's all I can see now. <laughs> mm, the uh, Emanata. Mastermind is the creepiest. Oh, 100%. He's mm. so skeevy. Uh, and then this is, for, for Anne and Taylor, this is your first introduction to the Scarlet Witch and, the Quicks- and Quicksilver in the comics, which of course you guys know from the movies. Mm-hmm. What do you think of them here? At this point, I didn't. I don't really have that big of a opinion on either of them, except Scarlet Witch's costume and her her little headdress thing, and just like very. I just had very shallow commentary about it. I don't have that big of an opinion at this point of reading about either of them. I didn't even know that they were brother and sister in mm. here. You know. Yeah, and they're twins, and we learned in the last issue Magneto saved the Scarlet Witch in Europe from a mob that was going to kill her for being a mutant. So oh. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch feel very obligated well, to mm-hmm. Magneto, even though they Scarlet turned against Witch him does, last episode. And then Quicksilver just wants to stay with his sister. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, her costume. You can be her for Halloween if you want, in her original costume. Lots of people oh, are going yeah. to be, I'm sure. You can rock that headdress After or whatever that is. Oh, you think so? So many people are going to be Scarlet Witch for Halloween this year. <laughs> <laughs> and were you surprised by them in this issue? Um, Kind of like Taylor. I just don't really have too much right now too much of an opinion of them so magneto desperately wants to find the x-men and so he gets the idea that he's going to send toad down to earth to pose as a track star who will then stand out as a mutant and here in the in the books we are, we're in number five this is the first real example of anti-mutant hysteria yes yeah. Toad reveals himself as a mutant and the crowd is coming to kill him Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's hear some of your thoughts can, about Toad's little track performance. Can I just say that that mask is extremely lifelike for the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't understand. <laughs> um, so what popped out to me as I was reading about the, the track meet and, and then later um, finding out it was Toad in disguise, um, how that's resembles a lot of people's fear about transgender women in sports that uh they're you know they're going to be amazing and defeat all of the cis women um yeah that's a big fear for a lot of people nowadays Hmm. so it reminded me of the time when um black athletes were when black athletes were allowed to like join the olympics and play on baseball teams and things like that uh, people assumed that they there was it was unfair somehow, or they weren't as they were. What am I trying to say? It's like they go to the stadium with the expectation that the black team member is going to fail, and then mm-hmm. he ends up excelling, and they're like, "Well, that can't be. That's impossible," and they become outraged because of that. And, you know, that happens even even to this day that happens, you know, being one of the, I don't know, five black people in Utah. Um, I walk in. I'm just kidding. I'm th- there are more than that. But oh, what? Ten? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, probably. Yeah. But, uh, you know, being 
being a like a super minority that way and going to college and having to uh, present in front of classes and things like that, there was always that feeling of they're expecting me to fail and they are not expecting someone who is articulate, intelligent, did their research and mm-hmm. gave a really good performance. They're not expecting that. And then when it happens, all of a sudden, their mindset has is, is forced to change and that creates a lot of dissonance and conflict in in a person's psyche. And so stuff like this, it doesn't happen like angry mobs don't like chase after me when I give a good presentation. But back then, it was a lot more, it was a lot more likely that something like that could lead to violence, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's what I thought about. Well, and Magneto proves his fucking point here. We put Toad in this, oh, yeah. in this position and the humans rally up and they're like, attack him. He's different. Let's go after him. Which mm-hmm. for trans women or men in sports, for que- uh, queer people or black people who are putting themselves in the minor- in a space where they are in the minority and they mm-hmm. excel, they can be afraid of violence. And mm-hmm. uh, what was it? Yesterday, I believe, was the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, which is an example of an affluent mm-hmm. neighborhood doing well and white people just wiping it out because they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have this historically happening over and over and mm-hmm. over again, which is one of the themes that we latch on to so much in the comics of, of the X-Men is this fear of what's different. Right? Yeah. It's a scary thing. Fear of the consider. unknown. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the X-Men decide to go help. Jean makes sure that the professor's comfortable and he calls her my dear as he leaves. I know you love that, Heather. It's my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, And they go and, uh, and save the Toad. The crowd turns against the X-Men as well. They're like, oh, look at these freaks. Let's get them. And uh, just a couple of issues previously, uh, we see the public rallying around the X-Men, considering them heroes, the government trusting them. So again, Mm -hmm. this is our first example of people really turning on them. It's a little bit jarring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These teens are really seeing what happens. Uh, That panel where Toad's mask is pulled off. (laughs) I about spit my coffee all over the table. (laughs) I was not expecting it at all. Blast! I almost had you fooled! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And just the look of it. And like, I mean, I was literally surprised by that. I thought that was good. Like I said, an extremely lifelike mask. (laughs) Being in 1964. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Magneto reveals himself with the Brotherhood. He restrains Angel. Well, I love when Magneto first appears and it says, And then, one of the most awesome of all living menaces appears on the scene. The merciless Magneto. I'm like, can you be a little bit more dramatic, please? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what you notice in that shot more than anything is just his big purple underwear. Cross shot. Boom. Right. Uh, so I kind of, I kind of love Gladys Kendall though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're real smooth down there in this comics. <laughs> I kind of love the fights. I love the creative use of Mastermind's powers. Yes. Uh, I like how the X-Men are, are going after the uh, the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, there's one scene in which Quicksilver grabs Cyclops' arms. <laughs> Blast it! I didn't realize he could use his power beam while I was holding his arms. Like Arms and eyes are not connected, y'all. So, yeah, if you tie up my arms, then I can't look at you anymore. I'm blind. You can't move your head. You can't move yeah. my head. Yeah. Uh, is mas- that is that similar to, like, not being able to walk and chew gum at the same time? 
I stepped on your foot. I didn't know you could bite me. <laughs> I mean, it's such ridiculous. Uh, Mastermind uses uh, images of himself. He uses the carpet gag on Toad earlier. He uses mm-hmm. smoke. He uses rhinos. He uses demons. Like, I think he's kind of, I, I think his power set is really fun at this yeah. issue. It is. He's kind of my favorite here in a way. Uh, and then they escape. Professor X, I'm sorry, Magneto gets Angel and they put him on his little magnet ship and take him back to Asteroid M. But they leave Toad. But and he leaves Toad. It says, oh, where is it? They were like, we'd rather have Angel than Toad. I know, anyway. yeah, that's what I'm looking for. He's a fucktard. Like, you would rather trade. He says, for, ex- forget the Toad run, we have the Angel. I'll swap him for that high jumping yes. fool any day. And that's Wait. another point. Like, Toad is, yeah, he's super annoying, but like, He's also pretty resilient because they are constantly insulting him. And he's also extremely loyal. Exactly. And so I exactly. think that personally, I would have rather have someone who is extremely loyal rather than a hostile hostage. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's actually a fair trade-off. And so I don't really understand where Magneto's coming from. Yeah. If I had to choose between like a stalker and a murderer, I would choose the stalker. Exactly. You know? I, it's going to take us a minute to get there, but Magneto's treatment of Toad will come back to bite him. Yes. <laughs> I'll say that. Okay. Uh, so uh, Magneto is questioning the angel, basically subjecting him to torture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's keep in mind again, Professor X knows that this is happening. We'll come back to that in a minute. But we have a teenage boy being tortured with lights and sounds and noise and isolation, and he refuses to cave and reveal where the uh, where the X-Men's headquarters is. And I love when Magneto says, What manner of man is the angel? What is the secret of <laughs> Professor X's training? Why can't I break his will? Why does he resist me? Like, <laughs> And look at his face. He's so... Like, he's, so, he, so he's got blood pressure issues. <laughs> he was cast as Hamlet shortly after this. <laughs> <laughs> But the X-Men have Toad, and uh, we see Toad suddenly kind of go, uh, like, lose his mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's got some very real issues. Did it take you a minute to realize what happened? I kind of had a feeling. Professor X is messing with him. Yeah. Uh, I had a feeling that's what it was. He's altering his mind. Exactly. Because that's what he's been doing. He's been the deus ex machina for the last few issues, and... Of course, this one is not really that different, except for he's more the uh, infernal mastermind at this point, uh-huh. and not the not the benevolent savior. And he's doing it from real far away. Yeah, so he's powerful. Yeah, yeah. What yes. a huge manipulator. Uh huh. Masterful. Charles is a dick. It's my theme song for this podcast. I sing it at least twice an episode. Okay. <laughs> How awesome. I think we should get a shirt. <laughs> uh, so they take they take Toad's ship back to Asteroid M. I, my single favorite image in the entire comic book is where Mastermind is making Beast think that his legs turned into dough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he just looks ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, and then Magneto puts on a magnetic intensifier so that he can control Which every metal portion like, of the asteroid. It's now a floating death trap, he says. It's kind of like Professor X's like amplifier that he puts on as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, what is it, Cere- Cerebro? Cerebro. Yeah. We haven't met Cerebro yet, but Professor X, a couple but, of... Cerebro yeah. is a person? No, no, it's a, it's I mean, a machine. Like, it's, it's a machine, but like, does Cerebro, is it like an intelligent 
machine? It develops intelligence way in the future. Okay. Uh, but it's just a machine. But we see him when he fights the blob. Professor X designs a little helmet yeah. that will yeah. project his powers to, oh, to okay. make himself more powerful. So we see Magneto kind of doing the same thing. Here. So while all of his kids are out there busting their asses, trying to prove themselves to him and save the world... He gets up out of the couch and he goes and he sits under his helmet and he starts doing all of this shit. <laughs> he's he's right. sipping his hot cocoa. When it's done, hot cocoa. Uh, we also get Gene. Uh, all of these things happening, confusing me. Can't concentrate. Can't use the power of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I can't dance with this machine and concentrate at the same time. It looks like she's dancing. This is like the first. Okay, there's two on this page. I see two instances of onomatopoeia. <laughs> which that is it seems like that's starting to develop too so so the onomatopoeia and the the emanata are becoming more refined yeah. i'm finding mm -hmm. and for those of uh, for those of you who don't know what emanata is that's like the speed lines and the the wavy psychic rays and things like that that's what we typically mm -hmm. call that in the comic book world i do enjoy oh we're you gonna say something Jeff? Go ahead. Okay. i do enjoy how beast calls iceman when he says, I commend you, my frigid friend. And Iceman says, and I thank you, old bookworm buddy. Like, how <laughs> Oh, yes. And the uprising of alliteration. Uh, it's super brush. Iceman is still fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, his humor adds a lot to the book. Uh, we also see, in this kind of crazy antics of battle, we see Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch standing up to Magneto again. They're mm -hmm. still not fully on board with Magneto's whole world domination killing everyone plan. he's gonna kill the x-men and they're like no that's too far and he's mm -hmm. furious but they don't care i i think that's fantastic now later again we all know they join the avengers so we see mm -hmm. signs of heroism here yeah but... and i know that they do end up killing a bunch of people they are evil sometimes but this episode this issue and last issue like they're really only there because they feel indebted to magneto they do not actually believe in his mission right right Although when they have the opportunity to go with the X-Men here, they don't take it. Because they feel indebted to Magneto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of fantastic. Uh, the, uh, the fight scene is a little bit intense and could certainly lead to sudden death. Uh, a couple of pages later, we have Magneto saying, and I quote, The asteroid is breaking up. During the battle, <laughs> someone must have brushed against some of the detonate, button, detonate buttons. This bugs the crap out because of me. Because it's just out there for everyone to know where <laughs> it is. Mm -hmm. I think Stanley and Jack Kirby ran out of room. And so it's like, have you ever bumped against a light switch and it like the lights go off in the room? <laughs> but someone accidentally bumped, bumped against the self-destruct, so the asteroid starts breaking into pieces. Oh, but I do have to say, one of my favorite lines in this entire issue is right before that, um, the angel, or not angel, when they get angel out of his oh. box. And I think it's the beast maybe that says... The suspicion is beginning to dawn on us that his motives are not the friendliest. Like, like what was your fucking okay. clue, man? <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> took you long enough. Uh, so the the asteroid's breaking up. Magneto escapes with the Brotherhood and the ship, and the X Men almost die. They're about to get sucked into space. How do they survive? A freaking ice tunnel. Ice tube. Ice Man makes ice an ice tube. tube. And they get onto the uh, they get onto the escape pod just in time and land back on Earth. But an ice tube is not going to save you from space. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. No, there are many missions in the future where the X Men are in space. There are huge epics. I mean, the, the the Dark Phoenix being one, the Shi'ar Empire, on and on and on. But this is their first time in space. 
they uh, they have expanded their horizons. They keep going to cool <laughs> new places Literally. every episode. Uh, and then we get back to the mansion where Professor X reveals, and I quote, I was with you the whole time listening to your thoughts. Uh, I never lost my powers. I only pretended to after our first battle with the evil mutants. Remember, this is a school and you can't graduate without any from any school without fast passing your final exam. Uh, well, you've all just taken your final exam just as I had planned it, and I'm proud to say that you've all passed the flying colors. You've proven you can think and act for yourselves. Your training period is over. Congratulations, my X-Men. I would have been like, Ooh. you smug motherfucker. <laughs> I'm out. I'm joining Magneto now. That's, yeah. That is yeah. bullshit. And look at his, look at his smug-ass face. He's lighting his pipe. Ha, ha, ha. Ba, 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 ba. And it's like, shut up, dude. I, I, I watched I watched all three of you react to that final reveal as reading this. Uh, so what were your thoughts as you as you hit that in this issue? I'm so mad. I already told you. I am so mad. What <laughs> the fuck? Really? Really? But when you doubt him, he's just gonna turn off that part of your brain that allows you to doubt him <laughs> and reinforce the part that makes you adore him. Oh gosh. I I really did used to like Professor X. And, I hate this dude. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's horrible. Uh, and this was your first time reading a comic from the 60s. Mm. What was your experience like? <laughs> it was... <laughs> it was surreal. It was it was dorky. It was... There were cringe moments. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting for sure. So thank you, Chad, for... <laughs> <laughs> does it change your experience of uh, of the X-Men overall? It does. It does. Just, yeah, I prefer the X-Men of the movies, of course. But, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so let me capture your live reactions. Next issue, we have uh, the Submariner. So I'm going to pass this around. Just look at the cover for next time. <laughs> Tell me your initial thoughts. Okay. He looks a little bit like Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Yeah. Just, just a touch. That, that whole <laughs> Leonard Nimoy kind of look. That. Oh wow. So popular. The eyebrows. The yeah. eyebrows are what do it for me. And he's got trunks on. And notice yeah. his ankle wings. Yep, I did see his ankle wings. <laughs> what do those like, help him do? He flies with the ankle wings. With but ankle his, wings. But his name like is Hermes. Submariner. Mm-hmm. You'll learn so all about So he swims too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like those eyebrows. Those yeah, he swims. He looks like Eartha Kitt <laughs> with a crew cut. Doesn't he? But do you Doesn't see that body? Of course, Eartha he's a yeah. swimmer. Do you yeah. see this? Yeah. We'll talk a lot about Submariner mm. next week. Uh, he has body, a long body, history. Body. <laughs> <laughs> this next issue really cements the X Men in the Marvel Universe. The Submariner is a character that has been around since the 40s, and he's appeared in the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. He's all over the place. So, him coming into the X Men really cements them into the overall Marvel Universe for the first time. The inking technique is getting better. Mm hmm. And the stories start to improve as mm-hmm. we move forward, but it's going to take a few more issues. <laughs> next, next issue, some. I'll tell you that now. Uh, so, uh, who was your star player today? Who was your favorite character in this book? So, I still love Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Like, they are always extremely high on my list. But I think 
as skeezy as I find him, Mastermind was a little bit of a star in this issue. Hmm. Except for whenever he was trying to find the school, then he was, you know, all over the place. But... <laughs> Mastermind is also my favorite in this issue. I think he's morally reprehensible, but oh, the yeah. use of his powers was he, just him fun. as an individual, but yeah. he did very well in this episode. He's in powers. danger, and his first thought is dough legs. Yes. I'm gonna give <laughs> you dough legs. I love oh, that. Oh, he's very creative and very flexible. I liked Mastermind too. I thought I thought he was the star. And who was your favorite this issue? Yeah, I'd I'd have to not to jump on the bandwagon, but yeah, I'd have to agree. This may be the only time we all agree because <laughs> Mastermind is morally reprehensible. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. terrible, but he's really fun of this issue. You wow. know, I think about like Mastermind in the movies and how he's the kid in the wheelchair. Isn't that Mastermind too? Because the you know the kid in the wheelchair who's he's got he's like hooked up in the. On, oh. on the net or something, and he's got like the weird eyes, about, and but I don't think it's Mastermind. But he like created illusions too. Uh, are you talking X Men Two, where William Stryker's son, Stryker's son? That is not. Mastermind. Oh, that's not Mastermind. No, I can't remember which okay. character that was yeah, based cool. off of. Uh, Mastermind is so fugly though, like his <laughs> weird face and his like brown Mastermind boxy is costume. A fugly slut. Do you think he just? <laughs> do you think he just walks around making everyone think that he's like super good looking? <laughs> What what if else would you do with yeah. that power? <laughs> yeah, I would. A I, glamour, so I real, everyone, a fool and onlooker. <laughs> I told everyone last time, but I'll tell you guys. He it's later revealed he has three daughters in the comics. One of them is named Pixie, and she eventually joins the X Men. And she has two. He has two other daughters who have the same power set as him. One is named Mastermind, and the other is named Lady Mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> so original. Mastermind well, I said that he was creative and flexible, but now I'm starting to question myself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, thank you for coming to Grey Malkin Lade. I hope you had a good time. Uh, we will see you next week when the Submariner joins the Evil Mutants. Goodbye. Thanks. <laughs> Professor Rex is a <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. I got your song wrong. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's bring some pizza. <laughs>